Welcome to the Next Issue Podcast. We're a group of friends that love talking comics and all that it entails. Uh, we're based out of Dallas, so you'll hear us talk about how these comics make up a part of our daily lives, including our local comic shop, conventions, and other forms of entertainment. Welcome. Today's episode, uh, we started talking about like books that maybe people have forgotten about, some of our faves in our collection um, that we want to make sure people are looking out for, new readers that maybe have missed some of these, and uh, everyone kind of brought their own favorites, and I'd go ahead and jump in with uh, uh, the first one. And and it's weird because I say it's limited. So before we do that, yeah? do you guys want to do the... So we have a yeah, we introduce a new segment Woo-hoo. called... Sorry. Previously on Next Issue. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I feel like I'll we need music. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not putting in music in this <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm just going to change it every time. Um, so we'll, what previously on Next Issue is going to be just kind of like we'll talk about one thing or two that we've kind of been watching or since the last recording. Uh, now, Clay, I know you also have a little bit of something to talk about. and, and you know, So we'll go around the table and kind of catch up, and then we'll jump into our main... I watched Joker last night. Finally. Finally. How um, was... Uh, uh, it's weird watching it because you get... I mean, obviously I want to talk about it for the show. Yeah. I want to just sit and enjoy it. I, I want to analyze all the takes within the film. And so you get kind of caught up in that instead of just watching it. So I have a question. Joker came out, what, back in October of 2019. It's been like four or five months now. We just why? What do you think you haven't you hadn't seen Joker? I didn't go see it because I really thought I'd be shot in the theater. I really thought I, I kind of had that same thought. I, I thought yeah. there is so m- <laughs> much violence happening. There's a lot of shootings. We had. Uh, I mean, for Texas, the closest ones we've had have been uh, the July 5th police shooting, right. and then recently in Fort Worth there was another one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and it was a, it was definitely a real thing that like you know theaters were taking extra precautions right. and stuff like so it wasn't just uh, it was it wasn't like people were kind of exaggerating because that it's just we're at a point with that's not an exaggeration that's just something that unfortunately has been happening and keeps happening. Well, yeah. and I, uh, oh, I'm sorry, but um, I I didn't. I didn't see it either because, I, like, I wish, and I think that's why I've waited until it's come out on Blu-ray. I, I wish I could have seen it in, like, a silo, you know, in like yeah. a, a because it immediately there was just so much talk around it, which was good and healthy. I think when art is impactful, that's what happens. Yeah. But I, I just wanted, like, I wish I had gone, you know, the Thursday night premiere before anyone else started to talk about it. Because yeah. I just wanted to see it in this kind of pristine state, well, you know. And even that was hard because this movie premiered at the Cannes Festival in, in France. Oh, oh you're right, yeah. Because it won the Golden Lion. Yeah, so and, like, and the buzz went up immediately yeah, and, around and it. Yeah, and it wasn't the only festival that it went to. So there was definitely, there was kind of two, two schools of reviewing this movie. One, that it was like, this piece that was going to incite violence and, and you know and then this the other piece that was just like this is art and this is different and it's good um, 
and and it, but that was all like m- months, like a couple of months before the even premiered to like anyone. So the best marketing that this movie got wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't the actual marketing that that Warner Brothers was doing, but it was just all the people either having uh, the hot takes or like having negative or positive thoughts about this movie, right? Yeah. And and when when it comes to a character like the Joker. That's always it's it's always kind of like it seems that there's controversy all the time. You know, a few years ago we had that uh, piece from Rafael Albuquerque that that cover that was um, removed with the Batgirl for oh. when they were doing the Joker yeah. anniversary stuff. Um, and yeah, it just feels like every time the Joker's kind of like in the spotlight, which it makes sense is he's a chaotic character, so uh, um, it attracts all kinds of individuals to that. Um, how much after you saw it did you want more, or did you want to see? I wanted to watch it immediately after I left the theater. Like with the group I went with, uh, it was some coworkers. We stood outside the theater for like forty minutes talking about it, and we almost bought tickets to the upcoming. It was just because of time that I didn't. Yeah. But but, that but like it, like you get to the end and you see where Joker is. Do you want to see more? Uh, no, I'm I'm okay with this being a one and done thing. Okay. Like, yeah. if they want to do, I would like kind of like. My thinking was maybe make anthology movies where you just cast a different Joker and. Oh, different. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've always because like like you know we have the books like this week Wonder Woman 750 came out and it's just a series of stories about Wonder Woman. Um, I think that's very interesting when you kind of do that. So, if every and. Every once in a while, we get like a different Joker movie with like a different actor and a different story. It doesn't have to be about his origin. They can. There's so many stories they can adapt. Well, just his Joker. What did you? I saw lots of ties to all the other Jokers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you obviously see shots of him that are very reminiscent of Heath Ledger. Um, but I saw Cesar Romero. A I was lot. I was about to say yeah. like yeah. I mean that you're they do shots in there with his makeup, and it brought me back to Batman sixty six, but a really dark evil it, joke. It, it was it's weird. the mustache, right? It was weird that he grew a mustache <laughs> just for that one shot. Uh, he looked like he did back in. Uh, did you guys oh, watch? Uh, she. Did you guys watch her? Oh, her. her yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it, yeah. He looked like mm. they was weird like. But then he shaved it immediately after we, that. We are making all this up. Um, <laughs> it's in the it's in the Phillips cut. <laughs> I, 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 God Almighty, I don't want that to exist. Because um, I saw Ryan Johnson's doing it now. He, he's creating fake cuts for directors. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, he's like, did you hear about this cut? Uh, I. I, I just hope Warner Brothers takes the right thing away. And, and I say this as someone who's not seen Joker, but I I feel like. Warner Brothers didn't quite know how to market the film, and it was all the artistic buzz around it that kind of led. And I could be wrong about this, so correct me if if I am. Oh, I will. Okay, good. Um, but I, I I don't want them walking away from the success of Joker, thinking, okay, we need dark, gritty reinterpretation set in the seventies of of every character. What they should walk away with is, I think our niche is the polar opposite of what Marvel is doing. Not a tightly integrated universe, but we're right. going to hire auteurs to reinvent our characters. And, and that it worked with Nolan. Yeah. It worked with Phillips, right? So It worked with Snyder. Mm, 
it worked for, I let me disagree. That. It worked for Daniel with Snyder. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Daniel was the target audience for Zack Snyder's really uh, film uh, universe. The first, yeah, just the two. If you were to see a solo, I mean, like, you know, obviously Harley Quinn's going to be the one people are pointing to, but if you were to see a solo female villain story out of the DC oh. universe, what. Uh, I got it immediately. Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy was I want me a Poison too. Ivy That's movie. a good one, yeah. Because. I, so I've been watching the quick tangent, and this could be my thing actually. Um, I've been watching the DCU Harley Quinn show. Me too. I, I need to watch it. But sure before good. my account's up, I it's good. Really good. Oh, good. Okay. Do you remember when we were getting a Deadpool show by Donald Glover, like an animated show? Yeah. I think that's this. what that could have been. Oh. And they missed out on doing it because Harley Quinn, and also, it's also kind of that and a combination of uh, the NBC sitcom that kind of failed, Powerless. Yeah. yeah, which was like the office, but in the DC universe, um, like it's also that, like it's got things of that. So and they both have Ron Funches, who is the best because Ron Funches voices King Shark. Oh. The whole the cast is hilarious. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco's doing an amazing job as Harley. She is. I really was kind of like that seemed like the low point, but I just forget, and I'm just like I'm into the show. Well, I forget that it's her. Because and when you have when you have when you think of Kaylee Cuoco, you think obviously Big Bang Theory. And then you have the other actress that play Bernadette, hmm. who's already got a voice kind of like Harley's always had a voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so high. Why don't you cast her instead? But Kelly Coco's doing a good, great job. Oh, good. All right. Alan Tudyk plays both Joker and Clayface. Look, can we just officially get America to declare he's a national treasure? Yes. Um, he is awesome. I love Alan and Tudyk. And then uh, what's his name from Veep and the rest of development? He plays Dr. Psycho. Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Oh, Tony Hale's Tony Hale's Psycho. Buster Blue. We just so we are uh, again. Uh, 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 Good. I was gonna say we had um, half day at Army. <laughs> well, <laughs> a tangent and a tangent. Our new. I finally did it. Our new nightly dinner show to watch with my wife and daughter is Community, nice. and we finally got to the ceramics episode. Jen, that was what Jen refused to watch it for for years because she's like, I just I don't need that kind of like so close to my life in my life on TV. Um, and no, just, no ghosting. And just Nobody seeing, just seeing Tony Hale as a ceramics professor, and he calls everyone, was it like Buttercup? Or <laughs> so good. Anyway, I'm sorry, Dana. Go ahead. Dr. Psycho's character is the opposite of Buster Bluth. Yes. <laughs> like, in every aspect, because he's also really short. It's, and is uh, minor spoiler, he was married to uh, Giganta. Giganta? Yeah. yeah. It's, like, we're like, how that does is. that work? It's it, really big. Yeah. The top, oh. Yeah. Well, it's really like uh, it's like uh, a Barda and. Uh, and no, Mr. but Bergel. this is a yeah. larger discrepancy because yeah. they never <laughs> yeah. they never draw her like in normal human size. Oh. She's always like in like the fifty foot form or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, so that that's really good. That's but but my tangent to that was that Poison Ivy's character it's very deadpan. Like she's just, but you can tell you forget how powerful she is mm. or how like. Because Strong. you don't, in 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 comics, you kind of just see her as uh, I don't know. She's she she's never been like that powerful. I feel except that one time in Batman where she took over the world. Uh, for <laughs> except like, that one time. Yeah, but <laughs> one time. but I would love to see her because she keeps saying on the show like, I'm not a villain. I just want to protect the environment and do what like in whatever form that takes. Right. If that makes me a villain, then I guess I'm a villain. But she's I mean, at most she's kinda like an eco terrorist. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, like she's just looking out for the plants and stuff. So she's like, she's a, a villain to humans. She's a hero to the environment. Yeah. And <laughs> so. her relationship with Harley is amazing. Like it's just yeah. really like 
I'm glad they nailed that because I know there's a lot of you know. Well, I mean, she so Poison Ivy has her her plant. JB Smooth is one of the plants that talks. <laughs> it's a uh, one of those the carnivorous carnivorous plants. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it, I mean, it is it is Audrey out of Little Shop of Horrors. Love it with with eyes <laughs> that <laughs> that look like they're from Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> so and then the the last two things I'll touch oh on God. that show. Uh, Bane, he oh Bane this week. Bane is hilarious and he talks like he like Tom Hardy kind of did, but like ex- super exaggerated. Well, you know, it's a uh, Doug. Um, oh my gosh, from it does the like oh, you the guy that was yeah, the did. Uh, you have the, failed this episode. I have failed this. Um, the actor that played the creature and all the. Um, Del Toro movies? Tweet at us with the correct name while Clay looks it up. See who gets there first. Uh, and then and then the last Doug thing. Doug Benson. Was, okay, Doug Benson. Oh, yeah, yeah, from the Doug Watches Movies Higher. Yeah. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing I'll say is uh, Kite Man. Hell yeah. yeah. I, I've seen clips of Kite Man. And Home like, run. like there's one where he try, he's like, I'll save you <laughs> women. It's like he's fucking Kite Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so that's that's what I've been. All right, watching shit, I'm gonna have to watch this. this it's week. a home run. It's it right. really is. My favorite thing next to Doom Patrol from the DCU app. Okay, all right, so good. If that good. tells you anything, and it is, it's definitely R. Like it earns it earns the rating of R. Okay, or, or whatever the equivalent. Is it R for language mainly, or is language it? and violence? Oh, violence. Sorry. So there is a lot of both. <laughs> I mean, even though it's even if it's animated, like they can yeah. get away with some stuff. But uh, yeah, so that's what I've been watching but back to the joker movie real quick or whatever that last topic yeah that that weird unknown thing that you so watch Clay. now I, w- I will lean into this hard because i want to hear your defense for it oh. um <laughs> a lot of this is a lot like um rupert pumpkin and um de niro oh shit what is that movie oh it's um, or Cab- oh, no it's the 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 comedian the comedian one. Oh God! Any Scorsese film, Raging Bull? I don't know. No, it's the. There's a very specific like. It's the King of Comedy. King of Comedy. Thank you. I can't believe I came in here. That's what popped into my head just seeing the trailer for the first time. It's all that grapefruit. What do you now? This is a lot like King of Comedy. Here's here's my defense on any of that. Okay, I've never seen any of those movies. All right, the Republican defense yep. has shown up. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, um, I'm sure. not aware of that, nor do I want to learn of it. <laughs> well, now I do. I would not like to watch it because it may change my mind. So here's the thing. Now that I know all those, like, I know about all those movies, but I've just never gone back and watched them. But now that I know, like, oh, shit, like, if this is if it inspired this, or if, even if it's just, like, a riff of that or a, a ripoff of that, like, well, I want to go I, back and watch it now. I, I will tell you this from... Uh, have you seen King of Comedy? I've seen bits of it. I haven't seen it all the way through. It uh, It's fantastic. It, there is a lot you can see similarities to, mm. but the tone is way different. The tone is way different in this because it is just dark and sad from the get-go. Okay. And uh, King of Comedy is... Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis is yeah. the host of the show, and Robert De Niro is Rupert Pumpkin, who lives at home with his mother. He gets these cardboard standees, and he's set up his basement like a talk show. Right, And okay. by himself, I mean, that's, that's what's great is De Niro by himself sets the uncomfortableness. Okay, yeah. Where Joker is 
pretending a couple of times like to be normal. Uh, Rupert, this is him all the time. Like he's always oh. on, and he's oh wow, he's yeah. Finger, he's he, yeah, he's finger gunning the audience, <laughs> and he's. Um, but you do, you know he's wrong. You know he's just not right. Yeah, and that might be the title of the episode. Finger, finger gunning gun the, the audience. Um, <laughs> that's the it's the R rated uh, title for the episode. And but but you have uh, you have other elements that kind of affect him. Uh, he's very alone in Joker with only his mother mm. as a contact, and De Niro uh, does have like other contacts that are in in the movie that kind of make him that settle him down. But okay. ultimately, his his goal is fame. Right. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I I, I definitely so. Real quick plug, uh, I do a movie podcast with some of my friends called What the Real. Uh, and what? Our first movie was Joker. And the main takeaway from that was like, I kind of want Robert De Niro to get his own uh, like late night talk show. <laughs> 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 but he can only play that character. It's like the uh, the um, uh, Anchorman podcast. God damn it, I can't think of his name. Uh, Where he, he plays Ron, uh, Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy, Ron Burgundy thank Burgundy. you. Um, yeah, he can call it I Paint Houses or something. <laughs> Um, I, I, I do want to go watch King of Comedy, and I recommend anyone who's seen Joker to watch it uh, to see their take, because honestly, it's going to be the tone. Uh, Shelby and I watched it, and we had to pause a couple of times during the movie for, for different things, and, and so we would talk about it, but like the beginning of the movie, I go, I go, well, they do a good job of making you feel uncomfortable. Like, you're, you're really, and she's like, I'm not. She goes, I'm just, it, it's sad. Like, the whole beginning is just more sad. Yeah. And I felt like it was just this sense of uncomfortable. Everything they showed you was just not stuff you'd want to see, disturbing, you know. Um. Yeah, so enjoy whenever you watch it, Josh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, family film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Something for the kids. I mean, there yeah. was a kid in it, I guess. But <laughs> At the beginning, yeah, they, they there's five kids. Well, and then at the, in the middle, too. There's oh, a, yeah. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> I I could have oh done with no. any of the with, I could have done without any of the the Batman references or whatever like they the Batman stuff should have been totally taken out yeah I don't, I, like, oh you interesting don't need, you don't need it to make like the film's already good on there's its own. one scene that's the only scene you need okay. and then every scene after that I is agree. unnecessary I agree. see I'm surprised because I like I had heard vaguely through the grapevine that there is a Batman reference I figured it was one scene and that was it so there was you multiple can tell one scenes. scene that works for the story yeah and I feel. Maybe someone said, "Well, let's put in another one. Let's oh. let's really yeah, force I think the so. issue." It was uh, Warner Brothers, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a studio thing. <laughs> hey, and kudos! Like the movie hooked me before I even saw a scene because they went old school with the intro, <gasps> and it's the '70s Warner Brother logo. Oh, yeah! Nice. And I felt I, like I was ten years old watching Cable mm, again. Nice. It was, it, uh, just that throwback. I knew where I was. Little yeah. Clay saying, "I shouldn't be watching this." <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where's the supervision? <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Josh, do you have anything that uh, you've been doing, watching, uh, reading? I mean, I finally watched uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, we only have a few minutes. So. I, I, I will. I, I know Describe it's... Describe your disappointment in only two sentences. Okay. So here's here's the crazy thing about it. So I, I, uh, I took my daughter to go see it. For her, it was the second time. Because um, it's, it's our thing that we try and do. And I was a third of the way through that film, and I was like, this is awful. Like, the pacing was bad. They are jumping from place to place. It felt, it felt like 
there was the the armature of a really good story there and then Abrams came in and just said okay well we gotta move this and put this and oh they need to know about this I mean the, the, the oh, and 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 I was disappointed from the moment the crawl happened did did you guys read the crawl yeah it is like it is written by not an intern but like an aspirational intern <laughs> like it is the worst written crawl I've ever read like someone whose English is a second language yeah I mean it was it was it just it it <laughs> what's the opening line? It's like the empire is on fire or something. It's like exclamation mark. Something about the dead. Oh yeah, uh, the dead have returned. The dead yeah, have that's returned. it. Yeah. Um, it just it is. Oh, it was so it awful. It was a dark and stormy night. So, yes. So <laughs> Snoopy's typing away in his uh, <laughs> in his house. Um, I just so about a third of the way through, I was just like, God, this is as bad as everyone said it was. And then about. It was after the big fight with um, Ray and Kylo. When Kylo has, can I spoil stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. When Kylo has his, his his moment with with Han. Yeah. And from that moment on, it did a total one eighty. It got better. And by the end of that film, I was fully in. Like the final fight scene, the energy, the drama. I was like. This is great. So it almost did the opposite of Man of Steel, where I left going, that was great. And then five minutes later, I'm like, that was terrible. <laughs> this one, over the course of the film, and, 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 and that's why I think like right after I saw it, I hit you guys up on the chat, and I said, where is this leaked screenplay? I want to read the, le- the, the leaked screenplay because I'm curious if the last half of that film was basically in that original script yeah. and he and he kept it in and then the first part was like all right well we just we gotta we gotta fix this 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 and this you know but um it was funny because my 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 brother is a huge star wars fan and he went and saw it he texted me and he's like just skip it he's like it's awful yeah. and then i went to go see it and I texted him, and I said, "I said, okay, so don't tell me what to do. <laughs> You're not my <laughs> well, boss. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm older than you." Um, but I, I texted him, and I said, "Okay, here's my takeaway: the first half of that film is crap, the second half is good." And he's like, he replies, "Like that is literally what I said after I saw it." And then he sent me a text, like I don't know, two days later, of him rewatching, and he's like, "I'm rewatching, and I have to say." it fits way better into episode seven and eight than I gave it credit for when I saw it the first time. And so I, I kind of want to see it again. I'm going to wait till it comes out. I'm going to give myself that space, but I think it's going to ultimately fit into this last trilogy better than critics and the public gave it credit for. I think so. I think, I think people, when, whenever they watch it, like your reaction, first of all, it, you, the thing you love is ending. So yeah, you're already, right, right, you're yeah. already like, like your emotions are already pretty high. Yeah. And then half of the world is telling you that the thing you love sucks or, yeah. or that the previous thing you love sucked, regardless, you know, wherever you may land on that spectrum. Or even that they should have stopped making these movies a long time ago. Like, people are yelling at you from every direction. Yeah. And I think the, <clears throat> the, the worst part of the last trilogy of Star Wars movies has been the fandom. Yeah, yeah, I totally oh, agree. And, and it's yeah. a small—it's really a small group of people that just are very loud. It's but I will—I have to interject though. Don't. You still have to be able to say a movie is bad and still love the—you know—I agree being a part of the fandom because no, I, I, I do not like this movie. I think it's an injustice to Ray. It doesn't. Yeah, but I agree with that. I mean, it's, you're. But but then on the other hand, 
what this film to me should have been, mm-hmm. it should have been the training of Ray by uh, Leia. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's cl- her, and that's clearly what they intended. I mean, that it's was very empty. Yeah. I mean, every 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 interview I read was like the plan for the trilogy was each of the three films is going to focus on each of the three original stars. So episode seven is Han. Episode eight is Luke. Episode nine was going to be Leia. Yeah. And it's, it's so tragic that her death basically didn't give us the film that they wanted and that we wanted. Right. I kind of feel like maybe they could fill it in with a book. Get, that's a great know, idea. I, I that's a really good idea. I think the, the comic adaptation yeah. of this movie is going to be able to do so much more. Yeah. And I think it should be like maybe eight epi- eight issues or something. Hopefully the adaptation will be able to fill in some of the blanks. But I did feel like this was a hot mess of a movie. Yeah. I, I it, the it title, is. The title's weird. Um, I, because it basically, like, it kind of go- it takes you to the end of the film where it kind of ends on a knock-knock joke. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I I was pi- I was pissed at that ending because I and I said this to you guys as well about the moment when I'll call him Ben at this point comes to save or to assist uh Ray. It clicked to me it's like, "Oh, that's the rise of Skywalker. It is his redemption." Yeah. And frankly, that's what it should have been. I don't I mean yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it should have been more of that, but it should be well, about Ray too. No, 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 no. I, I'm not saying take Ray out. I'm saying that I don't think having that little knock knock joke at the end <laughs> was needed. Yeah. Ray can acknowledge that she's a Jedi and that she's learned a lot from uh, Leia and Luke without taking their name, right. right? And I think that actually makes her even a, a stronger character in that regard. She acknowledges that she was abandoned, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, for. I guess the right reasons, as we find out in the film. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I, oh, I hated that ending so much. What I did like about that ending, and 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 but the. But why are they on Tatooine? Okay, why? yeah, I know, I know. That makes no sense because Leia was never there, Le- right? Leia was there in Tatooine as Jabba's slave, a fond memory. Well, not at Luke's family home. <laughs> I doubt. No. I doubt Jabba that went by a- there and said, "Hey, I'm going to make this worse for you. Go hang out at your." Your quote unquote brother's house. Yeah, I know, but it's like 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 Luke didn't like being there. He always wanted to get away. That was his dream to get away from yeah, there. Yeah. And the one time Leia was there she was a prisoner. I will tell you the one reason they did it is the one reason this that This is why I don't go to Oklahoma. <laughs> The, the one reason they did it, by they I suspect is Abrams, is the same reason that my heart grew like three sizes when that scene started. Yeah. Is because we all know the ruins are still there. And they just went to the ruins and like, okay, well, we don't have to do anything. Yeah, like sense. Just save on cost. Yeah, yeah, just, hey, Ray, hang out here, you know? Set's um, already built. Yeah. And so so I, I, know, like, I know they wanted this like cyclical, like we're going to go back to where it began, right? But if you... Pair that up with the way that Endgame did it, with Tony saying, I am Iron Man, yeah. right? That is a much more effective way, even though I still don't like it, a much more effective way of doing that. What kind of backwards-ass compliments <laughs> that? Hey, 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 I am the king of backwards-ass compliments. Um, but it's a much more effective way of doing that than the way that, that they did it, and right? The, I guess so. the last thing I'll say on that, and then you guys can have one last thing, and we can move on yep. to old comics. Uh, <laughs> I like the shot of Ray and the twin sons, like because John Williams just gets to you, and, and yeah, John Williams is yeah. amazing. And I mean, they maybe, can pull some yeah. shots in those movies, and you're like, yeah. they're incredible. I mean, like the fight on the ship 
in, yeah. in I mean, incredible. They had great stuff, but then it's like you had these characters like Rose. You introduced in the last film. We thought it's going to matter in this one, and she doesn't. Yeah, like, I know why that. Have her in there. That made me so angry. And 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 why do we have a Hobbit now? We have a Hobbit. Well, because of the bet. I, I know, but oh, okay. Right. But here's I'm gonna I'm gonna cut us off. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We're 30 minutes. Well, last okay. Thing, but I, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. You finish, but I will say, in in this, it feels like this was such a contradiction to the last film. Yes. That yeah. It hurt it, and it didn't feel like it told told the story that it needed hey, to tell. At least they watched the last film. So my, yeah, I I agree with all of that, and and I think going back to your comment about the the connection between fandom and being able to say a film is bad. To me, the line is, I can watch Star Wars, episode nine, and say it's not a great film, but still love all of the new characters they introduced. Oh, exactly. And to, and to me, the, oh. li- the line is saying it's a bad film versus saying, oh, I don't want that Rose actress ruining my Star Wars, yeah. right? And they did her, I mean, Fuck Abrams. They did her such an injustice. Exactly. They the, really did her wrong. The minute she ran up and she's like, oh, no, I can't go with you because I have to do insert bullshit reason here. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, I wanted to walk out at that point. You know, I was so angry. Um, because her her arc, it is her arc in the last film. It is in many ways, um, uh, oh, my God, I just drew a blank. Anyway. No, Sorry, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally if, if you want a really nice rose story, pick up the one shot that came out uh, a Ooh, few months ago okay. by Tom Taylor. Because Tom Taylor always it, He does. Yeah, all the one shots. Like I said, Hux had a really cool story there. <laughs> uh, rose had a really good story there. Even Ray had a really... Like, they all have... I think maybe Snoke was the one that I didn't care for as much because it was really about Kylo. And yeah, I don't know. Snoke's a non-character. Yeah. I think they prove that with. I mean, he's 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 a bunch of of uh, uh, gelatinous things in a jar now. I mean, exactly. that's you know, yeah. He's an experiment. He's, he's made he's of midichlorians. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'll, well, that brings us back to comics because you started talking about Star Wars comics. I did. I tried to segue nicely into that. You did. Um, and the extended universe is a great place to go yeah. and read. I think we should at some point uh, put together like each. Uh, series the best of I just had a, a great idea yeah we do our uh, uh, trial and pit the two extended universes against each other whoa whoa the, that's, the, that's some deep reading the now non-canon versus legends. canon yeah yep. they're, they're I want them to bring in uh, Jax I think yeah. is his name Oh, the rabbit, yeah, <laughs> space rabbit. I, I, I do have that book. Uh, yeah. I need to. I'm up to that issue. If anyone's going to do it, John Favreau will do it in the middle. In, in the Mandalorian. In Mandalorian. Either that, or he show. Up, I, he hasn't shown up in the new comics yet, except in one that they did. But it's, it was like a continuation of the the legend stuff, oh. like a one thing, one off thing they did for an anniversary. So, um, all right, let's move on to our our main topic of this episode. Uh, Clay, you want to kick it off, and then we'll start with you guys, and I'll try to come up with something because I don't have that many old books. Um, well, yeah, you don't have to be old. I was, I was thinking <laughs> it could be like the things that you love that it seems like few people know about. Right, you know the 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 unknown. Yeah, uh, things. It's it's so this you know I've been reading comics uh, since the '80s, so old man Clay here. Me too. Um, 
<laughs> and and so I just started digging through some of my books to say like you know what did I want to revisit what you know why did I keep this book right yeah um, on the top of the stack was Adrian Tamine's uh, Sleepwalk I just and, and so I kind of did this deep dive into some you know uh, slice of life 90s books and a lot of them uh, a lot of them are biographical some of them are just stories like uh, Adrian's series and they're pretty depressing yeah. and they're yes. pretty sad and it's like I still really enjoy them they're really great stories and so I kind of you know ended up in a <laughs> I went down the wormhole of why do I like sad stuff <laughs> And, and and there's people embrace sad music, sad yeah. art, sad you know, and a lot of these are really sad. I mean, it's but it kind of captures a time for me too because he is he's a Gen Xer. He was born in 1974, so this is very similar in the stories I see about himself at this age, of things I can relate to, you know, being in terrible relationships and not sure, you know, what you're going to do about it. Um, being, you know, just kind of lost, lost in your 20s seems to be a reoccurring theme in a lot of these books. And and I'll reference some other books um, as as we go through this, because the 90s seemed to be like the time a lot of guys started writing their own stuff, self-publishing their own stories. And man, we are a messed up bunch. We <laughs> <laughs> They're all really sad. Um, I, I would also reference Chris Ware. I mean, that's that's oh god, yeah, th- uh, yeah. Chris Ware's um, uh, Jimmy Corrigan. Jimmy Corrigan book is so depressing, yeah, but visually an incredible book. But you don't really want to revisit it a lot. It it is, and and but I kept it. You know, that was another one. But but again, that's one people should know. That book came to mind when you were describing Joker because it's the Joker of graphic novels, right? For page one, you're like, oh god, this is the most depressing character in the world. I mean, there is there is no, you know, and it gets a little more lighthearted as the book goes on. But um, but yeah, what? Oh, as we go through these, you know, there there are so many examples of, of of guys doing it. And then I started to look at the women biographies and the women telling their stories now, and they're hopeful. Yeah. God, that's so a really different. good point. Yeah, so different. Um, I'm reading a one one called now called um, Woman on Film. It came out last oh, week, okay. and in and it's about a girl who grew up. You know, she's a Gen Xer. She loves Star Wars and Raiders, and wanted to get into art, and was like to the point like she was like she saw fame, and she goes, "I want to go to that school so I can make movies." Oh. Like her whole story is hopeful. Every one of these guys is just so depressing and sad. <laughs> Uh, but I I love it, you know. Um, I I I'll, I'll refer, reference another piece of media. Um, Paul Williams. Do y'all know who Paul Williams is? Singer, songwriter, actor. You would know him most from Smokey and the Bandit. He was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he the truck driver? No, no. He was the uh, he was the assistant to um, the cop. He was the little cop. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, and if you've seen like um, he's done a couple of movies. But the last thing he was in was a Baby Driver. He was oh. the arms dealer that gets shot uh, when they go to buy the, the guns. Oh. Um, his songs are super sad. <laughs> like, Evergreen. Uh, he wrote Rainbow Connection. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. like, like he's written a ton of songs. And there's a great documentary on Amazon Prime, if you want to watch it. It came out in, like, 2011. And a guy follows him and 
you see these fans who love his sad songs and are still obsessed with him. It's a great story about him, but it also kind of goes into that sad sadness of art. Interesting. So, huh. Sleepwalk and other stories about Adrian Tamine. Nice. Uh, I found one. Oh, me? Oh, oh. Yeah, no, so no, no, go ahead. I, I did find one, and it's... These are... Um, so I was looking through through my stuff, and this one, I don't know how many people have read it. I don't think... So Valiant Books, and it's, it's from Valiant. So Valiant Books have... I'm out. You're out? <laughs> so I, I, I picked up one this weekend. They, okay, they've right. always been kind of like the... They wanted to do superhero stuff, kind of like Marvel and DC, but they... They, I think they're most successful books that I really enjoy. Uh, probably other than Blood, Bloodshot and Ninjak, like they're pretty mainstream as far as like their superhero stuff. Um, but uh, a few years ago, there was a book called Savage. Uh, it's by written by B. Claymore, with art by Louis La Rosa and Clayton Henry. B. Claymore does a lot of pulp style. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, so yeah. this story is kind of like I think I might have mentioned it last episode too. Uh, it's about a, a uh, an airplane uh, crashes on a desert island. Um, the kid, you know, it's a family, uh, and the the parents die. The kid has to kind of raise himself, kind of like Tarzan, uh, and it goes on from there. And hmm. it's like a one one and done story that I read a few years ago, and I just I really enjoyed it, but I don't think it got the praise that it it probably like I don't think it found an audience. Yeah, uh, it kind of just got lost in the shuffle of like, not only all the other comics, but the stuff that Valiant's doing. There, there was other stuff that they were paying more attention to. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, if you have a chance to, because there's a really it it sounds like the story of Tarzan, but there's a really cool twist about like different dimensions and stuff, and like it gets really really cool. And it's only like five or six issues, so. I'm really trying to get into some Valiant books because, I like, uh, Heather Antos is over there working, oh. and uh, I'm a fan of hers. And so, because she was she was an editor on Bitter Root last year, and that was one of my books I really loved. Uh, I picked up one of their books this weekend. But it's weird because they kind of seem to have stories with the whoever the editor in charge is. Like, you know, Jim Shooter was, like, back in the day, yeah. and really took Valiant. You know, Valiant was really big, uh for a time under shooter yeah oh yeah, yeah and then it's always kind of been struggling behind dark horse right. and trying to figure out who it is uh with different stories and stuff well and and when 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 shooter when it first came out i mean it was it was kind of his attempt again at um uh new universe yeah, exactly. right which was this we are going to release x number of titles they all interrelate it is a shared universe but each title makes it trying to make the MCU back then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but but each one's slightly different. You know, I think the only one I read of the original titles was Archer and Armstrong because it was no. I'm sorry, I take that back. Um, Quantum and Woody. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. Well, I read Twing. I read both actually. Quantum but, and Woody, uh, the Christopher Priest run. Yes, the okay, the the OG run. Not yes. The, yeah. Um, you know, and so it was. I mean, it was an intriguing idea, but yeah, I just I haven't gotten back into the the new stuff. I wanted to read Faith. Yeah, is, it, is that yeah? The that's name one. Of it? Yeah, um, just because I'm I'm intrigued by the character idea, and so um. Um, I've got um, I got one I picked up at Half Price Books this past weekend, and I have a Bloodshot book, but and Jeff oh. Lemire is on both. Oh wow! So that's why I'm yeah yeah. yeah. That's what's bringing me. 
That was it. Let's, uh, okay. Um, well, uh, kind of, uh, in spe- <laughs> it was funny when we had this idea. Speaking with, and, and, and Clay, you said it so well because I didn't really put it into words. But, you know, I, I used to have boxes and boxes, I think as we all do, boxes and, oh, nice, boxes and boxes of comics. And then, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I sold all of them. And I have one short box of just the things that I kept. So I opened it and I started going through. I was like, why have I kept these? And actually in going through, I realized there was stuff I could get rid of because I now own it digitally. Like Excalibur number one is in there. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it was indie comics that I bought when I worked at a comic store in the very early 90s. And I was, you know, I was really into indie comics because I was myself thinking I would become a comic you know, artist and creator at that time. And so a lot of what I've kept is stuff that inspired me at the time. And just in speaking of how sad bastardy uh, Gen Xers were, um, I brought in, partly because it's not my favorite, but because I knew that Clay would like to see it. (laughs) But I own the graphic novel of it. You do, yeah. Yeah. This is the portable lowlife, which I think collects maybe issues one and two of... The very first Ed, I think, the very first Ed Brubaker work. It is. It is the um, very first piece. It is a hard book, and I remember even yeah. even at the time reading it, thinking he's not likable. He is. He is a detestable person. Yeah. Just you just want to hate him. But there are these little glimmers, these little moments of just him at like showing a side you want to like, and yeah. then he will just turn it off again. You know, and um. It's a really interesting read. I really, and maybe somebody's done this and I just haven't looked. I really want to read a kind of analysis of Brubaker's career because it it feels a bit like Grant Morrison. The early stuff was really, really, I think, um, unique and individual um, and kind of fitting into the artistic moment of the times. Mm-hmm. And then, like Morrison... Brubaker becomes this kind of mainstream comic writer, but his stuff is always really good. You know, he does the 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 noir stuff. Um, yes. He does a lot of you know he wrote Cap, uh, really the definitive Cap for a while when mm-hmm. he, when he dies. Um, so it's that sounded weird to say. Uh, <laughs> well, the to, death of Captain America is a big story. It is, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting book, and I believe he, I mean, draws he created it as well. Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. He 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 wrote and drew it, so it's and, uh, and there is a, like there's like a mini graphic novel that's like the size of that neon lit book. Oh, uh-huh. uh, that collects all of them. It's worth reading to go where he started and see what he wrote about and how honest he is about himself because he is a pretty terrible person. Yeah, uh, and and then what he's writing now. I mean, like. We're doing Bad Weekend for Comic Book Club next month, and Ed Brubaker nails it. I mean, it's him and Sean Phillips doing crime. It's nice. like the best best stuff out there, I nice. swear to God. Yeah. All right. Clay, you got some more? Oh, I wanted to jump back on the depression, uh, <laughs> depressed writers, uh, because I brought in another one I forgot about, Box Office Poison. Mm. Uh, you, Such a good book. Yeah, yeah. you had read this. This is another uh, book from Alex Robinson from, I believe it's the 90s, yeah, because the graphic novel is printed in 2001. Yeah. It's a pretty thick book. It's kind of the adventures of a cast of characters um, in in the 90s and what it was like being Gen X. I yeah. Mean, uh, relationships, friends, 
and stuff like that. It's it's good, but it's also you know it's got that kind of depressed side to it that the uh, other book had. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other I wanted to jump out of that one because <laughs> I did want it to be about depressed guys in the nineties. <laughs> I, I brought in Andy Watson. <coughs> Have y'all read Andy Watson? No. Uh-huh. Any Andy Watson? I don't think so. Uh, two specifically I kept, uh, slow, new day, slow News Day and Dumped. Um, Andy is a British uh, writer, artist. Uh, the art style is very simple, but pretty. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. Like, yeah, I really yeah. like it. I like the characters. He, he, he obviously has had some kind of animation background. Like, the faces really come to life. You can uh, see it. But they're really, you know, slice of life stories that are a little more hopeful. Hmm. Um, Dumped is, even from that story, it's not really bad. It's just um, complex characters dealing with complex uh, problems between themselves. Uh, Slow News Day is about an American in England. Uh, And it's weird because in 94 they're talking about... Healthcare in the book, and they go, <laughs> and and uh, so this American comes to England to write for a paper, and she's talking about her healthcare in America, and he's like, "What? You can't afford healthcare? What is that? Like, do you go to a doctor and they run a credit check on you? Is that how you do it in America?" And he's like, "I go anywhere and it's free," and he's bragging about it. But then later in the book, he goes, "I have to go get a tooth pulled, and it's going to be three weeks." Oh. Like, it kind of gives yeah. those balances yeah. of what it's like living there. But it's not supernatural. It's just a story about people, and it's drawn beautifully, and it's 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 a really good run, a, a really good read. There was so much of that in, in the '90s, and I feel like it's something, I weirdly that we kind of miss now. It, except with, like you said, I think a lot of female writers like Girl Town and Bingo Love. Bingo Love, yeah. I mean, which, Bingo oh, Love starts off book, kind yeah. of like this journey, but it ends so hopeful. Yeah, like you're happy at the end of it. Yeah. Book. Um, what was the other one you said? Girl, yeah, that Shelby brought that up. Girl Town. Girl Town, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Is it? I have oh, one me? more. And yeah. Then if you want. No, yeah. you go ahead. Uh, so the other one, and this is another Valiant book, because I think those are the, from the stuff that I read and I have read, those are probably the most underrated books. Um, it, this one is called Secret Weapons. Okay. Uh, it's written by Eric Heiser and art by Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. Um, so the real quick pitch of this book is in, in the Valley universe, there's called, I think they're called Zyots, which is kind of like they're mutants, X-Men um, okay. type of people that have powers. But whenever these peoples get their powers activated, not everyone has a super cool, like flying, super strength type of power. Like there's a guy that he can turn into rock. But he can't move while he's in rock form. He just stands there as a rock. Uh, <laughs> That'd be my superpower. Is he a, called the statue? Uh, there's it's another person that they can talk to birds, and that's their power. So this book kind of focuses on those individuals. And nice. like they There's obviously some, like, there's just an issue that happens, and they have to come together as a team mm-hmm. and, like, figure out with those kind of powers and whatever lack of, like, whatever skills they have or lack thereof, like, kind of how to get you know not only get along and look out for each other but i think the part i really liked about the book was that it really focuses on how the characters interact as a group and their relationship with each other and it's really not so much about just like a big fight or like a big brawl like 
I think that's more the you have character moments. Yeah, yeah, which is all something that sounds I, great. I want to read this. Which I really enjoyed <laughs> it because when I like some of my favorite X Men books are when they're at the school and the kids are actually learning and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so this is obviously there's no school on this one because they're being kind of hunted by, I believe it was the government. Uh, but yeah, it's just, and this is also like a one and done miniseries. Um, I guess you need a little bit of background on what the Zayats are, but uh, you know, just understanding that they're kind of like X-Men that mm. develop powers at some point. Like the book does a good enough job giving you the background that you'll need uh, to kind of catch this story. So, what's it called again? Secret Web Secret Weapons. Secret Weapons. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Then we'll, we'll compile a list and put this yeah. on our website. We hey, have now nice. what? <laughs> a website. It is www our next cool website. Our no, cool uh, <laughs> Nexusupodcast.com. Cool. Um, okay, so I, I'm i trying to put off till the end the things that I know I've referenced before on the <laughs> podcast. But what I, I want to turn to now are, uh, if you guys don't mind, just two real quick. Oh, cool. That are books that I've kept because, you know, again, w- when I was in my early 20s, my aspiration was to be a comic creator and and in the 90s it was i mean again like you were saying with so many indie publishers coming out so many autobiographical comics coming out it felt like you could do it you know now you felt like you were going to do it in a way that like today you know, the younger generation is like i'm will become a youtube star right, right? it's like oh, everyone does it so I can do it, but also everyone does it, right? Yeah. So it's like, it, it was it was a weird world to be in. And well, and, and, and just to call back to, to May's book is uh, one of the stories has a guy going to work at a copy place and oh, he's like, yeah. well, what's the perks? And he's like, well, I can make my zine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So very 90s. Um, but so there are, you know, so there are some comics I have that for me were very personally and I think stylistically uh, formative, um, but I will put those off. Um, what I want to talk about now are two books that I read that completely reshaped the way that I think about what a comic could be. And one is I find really funny because um, some years ago I was at Half Price and there was just a random book that had been published and it was like, you know, 100 of the world's weirdest comics. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So I pull the book off and I go through and I open to a page and it has listed this comic I'm about to mention. It was a little self-published comic by a guy named Shane Simmons called Long Shot Comics. And the thing about Long Shot Comics that I love is the, the cover is pink with this very 19th century, highly stylized kind of framework around it. And I'm just going to read this to you. It's Long Shot Comics, The Long and Unlearned Life of Roland Gathers. Gathers, sorry. And then it says featuring life, death, adventure, romance, intrigue. Well, maybe not so much intrigue. Conflict, resolution, more conflict, three wars, and a cast of thousands. And then you get to the bottom, and it has a little, like, here are the cast of characters. And the it, it is such a stupid idea that what he pulls off with this is remarkable. Because the reason it's called Longshot Comics is the conceit is he has painstakingly drawn every character to look like a 19th century engraving, but then shrunk it down to fit on a page. And so every character is simply a dot. (laughs) Now, that's the conceit, right? And you start thinking, okay, this is going to be stupid. Yeah. It was was a one-issue floppy that I bought. It's 32 pages. Every page, I just want to point this out, has one, two, three, four, 
has 160 panels. And it goes for 32 pages. And and the thing that I love about it is... It's when, a complete story? It's a complete story. It reads like a 19th century British, like a Victorian novel. And now it has some very contemporary humor. There is a really hilarious moment where the main character and his new wife are having sex for the first time. And it's just them is like, oh, I don't, do you know how to do this? She's like, I don't know how to do this. And he's like, does it go here? No, I, I, I'll, that, I don't think that goes there. Well, how about two dots? Have yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just two dots. And then he's like, well, how about here? She's like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's not right. You know. So it's like the, the humor is really good. But by the time you get to the end, everything in the cover that he says, life, death, wars, it, it, it's all in there. It is, it huh. is funny. It is moving. It is powerful. And like it is the longest amount of time I've spent reading a single issue of a floppy in my entire life. Because you get up to page five, and he's like, he's gone through his childhood. He's become a young adult. I mean, it is amazing. Why that format, though? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think he originally, and I and I'm, I'm into reread up on this. I think originally he did it as just a little self-published zine. Yeah. And... He really needed to shrink stuff down to fit in, to save cost. To fit in the odd, it was like a square format, I think. And then he just, he realized it was just a fun way to work because he could, he, he is clearly a brilliant writer. And I think he realized that I don't need to rely on my art chops to do this. Not that he's not thinking about fo- like composition and structure and pacing, he is. But it is, it is like, this is, I, I remember reading and thinking this could not exist in any other format. Right. And to me is the key to any great comic because you couldn't take what he's written and do it as a, as like a screenplay or as a uh, or as a stage play because you would see the actors. So much of the story and the humor rely on the fact that they are little dots moving around. You could do it as an animated film, perhaps, oh, right? Yeah. But I think yeah. that would screw up the pacing. Um, you couldn't do it as a written novel because you need some of the visuals of the like yeah. just the absurdity of the dots, yeah. right? Um, it's a fantastic book, and it is really, really hard to find. In <laughs> fact, I could not find my print copy when I was going through my my uh, short box. No, wait a minute. It's hard to find printed. Uh, you can buy a digital copy for six ninety nine on Amazon. Uh, oh, nice! Hey oh, perfect. Okay, well, can we'll I see the cover? Our list and links oh, that looks books. great. Yeah, everyone, go to. Oh, thank you, Shane Simmons, for putting that. I was a Kindle yeah, edition. Six ninety nine. I'm gonna. I'm gonna or go if buy you have that. Kindle Unlimited. It's on there. Nice. All right. So that was one. the The other one, and this and this is gonna perhaps speak a bit too much about me when I was in my mid twenties. Um, one of my favorite writers in the world is Paul Oster. Um, he he's not super well known. Um, uh, he's perhaps best known for his earliest set of novels, like uh, the one I will mention, which is the part of what's called the New York trilogy. It's basically three novels that riff off of the murder mystery as an idea. Um, if you've ever seen the two movies, oh, I'm going to blank on this. Uh, I think the first one's called Smoke. Yeah. With Harvey Keitel? Yep. That's written by Paul Oster. Okay. He, he wrote the screenplay to that and the sequel. 
really quick. Yeah. So the book you mentioned is book three. I, I think it's book three. So the of Longshot Comics. Apparently, there's three books. No, really? Oh wow. Oh god, I gotta have I'm these. Looking online, so I. This episode just cost me $7 because I bought the <laughs> book we were just talking about. <laughs> so yeah. Good job, Daniel. We'll look into it. I definitely want to check it out. Oh, my God. If there's more, I'm going to be such a happy man. I'm going to have to read these. Yeah, um, I'm looking, all I'm right, good, good, good. I just cool. downloaded it. So. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the that's first the one, one. You're talking about, right? So this is called book three. Yeah, oh, but this is broken up to read on a screen. But here, just to, just to point out, this is how, this is my, oh. there's the printed. It has oh, my gosh. View. And it has guided view. Oh, so we're looking at a phone with a s- full screen versus. Okay, uh, do not do not read it in guided view. The whole point of this, <laughs> there are tiny dots on one page. Guided view ruins it. So that's digitally, so you wouldn't recommend go find the physical copy. That's really no, no, hard. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Digital's fine if you read it page to page. Don't um, don't tell me how to read my life. I, I will. I will. <laughs> um, but um, so. As a young man, I remember I picked up Paul Auster's... Uh, it was not the first thing I read about him. I think it was the second thing I read by him, S- City of Glass. It's the first book in the New York trilogy. City of Glass. What is that about? Have we it read is, that? We read this. Okay. So um, it is a story... The, the original novel, and I just want to point this out, is a really interesting kind of... Um, I don't know... Um, uh, like a like a, a a thoughtful inquiry into the nature of a detective novel, right? So the main character in City of Glass is this mystery writer, and as with every Paul Auster book, his wife and children have died. Um, even though I think I don't think Paul Auster's ever lost a wife and child, but if you read all the Paul, uh, I say all most of his early novels, the main character has had like a death in his life. Um, and so in this one, he starts getting these cryptic phone calls asking for Paul Oster. And he's like, I don't know Paul Oster. And so he gets immersed in this if this kind of um, uh, uh, mystery around himself. Well, but the, but the main the main character is not Paul Oster. It's this other mystery writer. But Paul Oster, as himself, shows up in the book. It's sort of like Grant Morrison in Animal Man, okay. right? Okay. Anyway, all that aside, it's a, it's a great book. I've been meaning to reread it for years. But some years later, in the early 90s, I think the original novel was written in the mid-80s, uh, Paul Karasik and David Mazzuccelli did a comic adaptation called Paul Oster's City of Glass. Okay. And this book is phenomenal. And the main reason why, and this is a very hard thing to do, it is better than the novel. How? How? Because it relies on what comics can do. The visual. That a written text cannot. And, um. and this comes up quite often in comic scholarship about, like there was just a thread in an email the other day about what's called remediation like kind of transferring one story into another medium and this book is often and i agree with this heralded as uh one of those unique instances where it improves upon the 
original. It takes the ideas in the core book, and because it is a combination of image and text, it can do things that the original book cannot do. Um, it's, it's brilliant. It's, and if you like David Mazzuccelli, this was in that period where he strayed away from the mainstream and started doing more indie stuff. Okay. You know, um, this is uh, after year one, Batman year Oh, one? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. This is... What year did this come out? I mean, so this was part of that whole when... I'm pretty sure it was DC. When DC had all those experimental imprints like Neon Lit and uh, Paradox. Oh, and, wow, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure... So when you buy it... well. <clears throat> This says Avon Books, so maybe that was a different imprint. But um, it's still, it's it's the I think the only one of this imprint that's still in print. Oh, um, okay, Like cool. they have shuffled it off to some other uh, imprint. But it, God, it's such a good book. It came out originally in 94. Okay. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, just, uh, these these were two comics, I mean, very different comics, but two comics, I remember reading them feeling like comics can do more. Yeah. Right? Which, no discredit to all the indie autobio comic creators of the 90s. I mean, they, that was a big important moment of comics as an art, but they tend to all be somewhat derivative to a certain degree of each other. And this was stuff that was very Super experimental. Original, yeah. So, okay, sorry. Um, I'm Clint, gonna, you got anything else to kind of close this out? Yeah, I'm going to dip into crime books again. Ah, uh, nice. But uh, this time we're going, Steve Ralston. Uh, some of you may have already read his. Uh, he was the first artist on Queen and Country with Greg Rucka. Oh, okay. Uh, he did that first volume. He did a book by himself called One Bad Day. I'm a fan of his art. Uh, the pacing is incredible on it. Uh, it's just a fun crime book mm. with someone who gets caught up in something that they're not supposed to be in. Um, it, I don't know what else to say. I love the book. I love the art. Um, I'm a fan of his, and I think he's actually teaching up in Canada now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like like teaching art. comics and art? Teaching art, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, which led me to Jamie S. Rich and Joel Jones's You Have Killed Me. Oh, oh yes. nice. I, I love Joel Jones. Oh, well, this, that, that team behind, I think they're behind the, the Lady Killers as well, I think. Exactly. Right? And and this other book that yeah. I constantly preach yeah. about is 12 Reasons Why I Love Her. I, I, brought, so I read that because you gave that to me, yeah. yeah. Crime story to love story. Uh, I just really love Joel Jones's art. I do too. Me too. Um, Jamie is really involved in a ton of the stories. Oh, it's in there. Yeah, that's her cover. There's a lot of Oni books that I mm. realized that I just kind of have kept and loved, and they just don't have a lot of ongoing stories. But it doesn't matter because like they're great pickups and reads. Because as as I prepped for this, I would just I stacked all my books and just started rereading them yeah. really quick to to get ready for the show. Um, but yeah, if 12 Reasons I Love Her, I preach about that one all the time. But if you want to see that team again on another book, they have one called You Have Killed Me. And mm. you said what, Lady Killers? Lady Killers, yeah. yeah. Uh, but those are the, those are the, that's the end for me. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. I don't have any, I really don't have anything else. I, I think I, I tend to stick mainly to the mainstream stuff when I'm picking stuff on my own. I'll normally go outside of what I'm usually reading when we do stuff for the comic book club yeah. or like reading challenges and stuff and like that. And boy, do you hate me when uh, it has too many words. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but, although, uh, although ElfQuest was great. I did um, I did enjoy ElfQuest. Now, yeah. one thing I did notice on a lot of these books, are these black and white because they're collected editions or because they originally came out in black and white? I believe um, 
Well, some of these are Oni books, and I think they they were just published this way. Oh, they yeah, weren't yeah, they yeah. weren't okay. uh, singles like uh, because it makes sense if you're publishing Steve Ralston's your own, is yeah if publishing. you publish your own book like the Brubaker book you mentioned earlier. Like, let me let me frame it like this: like all the ones that I showed were originally published in black and white. Okay, and in the early '90s, if you were going to be a not a mainstream comic creator, you published in black and white. It was it's it's sort of in the same realm as artsy photography is in black and white, or the reason that Kevin Smith originally had a sad ending uh, at the end of Clerks because he's <laughs> like, well, it's an indie film; it has to have a sad ending, and, and it has to be yeah. black and white. Yeah, it yeah. has to be black and white, <laughs> that right? The, that was the thing. So yeah, so um, you know, so it's it's I I don't know. I I, I think at a certain point, especially for City of Glass. At a certain point, it's no longer about cost because this was a major publisher putting this out. Right, because it's, it it's being brought in from a, a, an existing property that's already successful, it seems, right? The right, right, right. And, well, I mean, and these are two... I mean, Karasik at the yeah. time was, I don't think, as well-known as he is now, oh, okay. but this is Mazzuccelli. I mean, yeah, he was coming off of Daredevil work. and uh, Batman and stuff at this yeah. point. So, um, Can I just mention two more real quick oh sure. yeah dig in okay sorry just very quickly I, I i've mentioned it on here before how important the four the four issue comics anthology instant piano was to me and it's i think i think clay you're the only other person i know that n- knew of these mm-hmm. this was four issues basically just put together by four different or f- five different cartoonists kyle baker who Awesome. Is a living legend. Um, Mark Badger is fine. Robbie <laughs> Bush, fine. Stephen DeStefano, I love. And my personal fave, Evan Dorkin. Um, oh, yes. This is just, I mean, this is just them basically just doing whatever the hell they want. Um, it is wild. It is fun. And I remember picking up the first issue because it has a Kyle Baker cover and I will buy anything by Kyle Baker. And reading it and just walking away feeling like I, I, I think I went home immediately and just started drawing. Like it just, oh, it just, yeah. th- there's something about the combination of their styles together and their, the, the, just the kind of throw anything at the wall and see what sticks well, method. Well, Baker's art is so full of life. Like, yes. It, yeah, oh, if you've God. ever read like Red, White, and Truth, um, that's a tough one because yeah. he draws it and it's a very cartoony, very animated story about a very depressing subject. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his his stuff really. You see that, and you go, man, this isn't Disney, but this is fun, and I like it. Yeah, I, I hate Saturn is a, uh, another one of his. Yeah, that has like incredible stuff that pops. And this is and this is kind of that moment where he's you know he he was already well known for I hate Saturn and um, Cowboy, whatever is something something. Um, I know it'll it'll come to you, but so, tomorrow, <laughs> it'll yeah, come to me yeah. Tomorrow. It, he he was known for all these kind of like standalone, really kind of innovative but fun. Uh, graphic novels. This is kind of that transitional period because there's a story in here that he does called, I want to say it's you, Y-O-U. Yeah. And it takes a few issues to understand what's happening, but it's basically like, it, again, it feels very 90s, very Gen X. There, there's one story that I often show students when I teach that is just a man and a woman sitting at a cafe talking about their relationship. Yeah. But there are moments where, again, he's using the comics medium in a really great way where they're talking and it'll cut back to him and he just out of nowhere starts making these weird faces. And they're 
conversation keeps going. And finally, she's like, okay, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. There's a baby behind you. I'm just trying to entertain it, you know? <laughs> and then it cuts over to the baby. Uh, so you kind of see that that's what he's responding to. But you don't know that. So you have the same response that she has. Like, why is he suddenly making all these goofy faces? You know, they're talking about something kind of serious. Anyway, Instant Piano. Love it. Recommend it. Um, two more really quickly. Madman. Atomic Comics issue three. Now, if people don't know about Madman, yeah, if you don't know about Madman, then just you know, stop the podcast right now yeah. and fuck off. No, but, don't, um, <laughs> don't do that. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but the reason, in particular, like I'll read anything Mike Allred writes or draws. Yeah, now I feel like if you don't know Mad Men, we should have an episode for you so that you can oh, okay. just deep dive into it. I will. I will. I, I just finally rebought everything, so I'm going to sit down and read it. from Because I read oh, it in fits yeah? and starts over the years. But this issue in particular took forever to come out. And, he, and the reason why is because this is an issue, very famous, called Swiped from Dimension X. And it is Mike Allred's love letter to the history of comics. Does he just do uh, swipes, yes. lifts of every, art pages? And- every, here, let me get to it. Every panel is a different comic artist style. Holy Moses, that's awesome. Every panel. And he says in the introduction that this issue took so long because he basically went down a rabbit hole he couldn't get out of where he became obsessed with figuring out what brush and ink did so-and-so use. I need to go get that. It is, like, I respect Aurid as an artist. Reading this issue, it is phenomenal how good he is at mimicking every one of these artists' style. Wow. Um, I mean, and just looking at it, I, I saw, like, Popeye, I saw... But he goes, know. I mean, there is... Um, uh, is it... I see Looney Tunes, I see... That's... Uh, oh, uh, Charles Schultz, Where the Wild Things Are. Where the Wild Things Are. Um, I mean, it's... I mean, it, and it's not... It's not just... Oh, I mean, he, he does a lot of... Um, and he kind of goes chronologically. So this is all, like, 30s and 40s adventure strip artists, right? Oh, great. Um, it is an amazing issue. So please... Do yourself a favor. You will have no idea what's happening. I just want to point this out. It, it does fit into the context of the story of Madman at this moment. But just do yourself a favor. Go on Comixology. Buy it. It's probably three bucks. And just revel in the artistry of it. It's really, really good. Yeah, we'll, we will uh, try to put together a list of all these. Yeah. Have them in the notes and or our website. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but that's it for me. So okay. I mean, I've got more of it. No. Cool. Yeah, no, that's a good... That's, uh, that's the episode. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. You can find Next Issue at uh, on Twitter at Next Issue Pod, on Twitch at Next Issue, and on Facebook at Next Issue Podcast. You can find Clay on Twitter at Clay underscore Harrison, Kyle at Kylepedia, Adrian at Adrian underscore Harry, Daniel at Echo Spider, and Josh at Cosmosis. Hail Bebo. Which one do you do you not have? Because um, I because I've got the Optic Nerve collection that collects all of the early zines. Oh they shit! You're they right. They don't trans. They don't scan any stuff for digital. Or at least he won't allow yeah, it. I guess it, it sounds like. Yeah, I think he's always been with D and Q. Because I think he, even Optic Nerve when it got picked up as a comic was put out uh, through them.
Cummings, and that's from 2007. Is the that's one. that's the one I hate. Oh, I, really? I hate shortcomings. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm missing. We read that one for the for the club. I I haven't read anything after Shortcomings because it turned me off so much. Yeah. All right, we're ready. Okay. Oh. Yeah. We're going. I mean, we've been we've been we've been, been talking. Talking. Okay. Just a little bit. Uh, I hate shortcomings. Good test. Yeah, that's that's the title of the episode. <laughs>